This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get everything you need for your next project today at Menards and save big money. LP SmartSide products are the number one brand of engineered wood siding. SmartSide trim and siding offers long-lasting performance and delivers the warmth and beauty of traditional wood. Save big money today at Menards and LP SmartSide products. Plus, visit Menards.com to view the weekly flyer and check out all of our great deals happening this week. Save big money at Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to continue our expectations series uh, this year where we take two players, one from the offense, one from the defense, talk to a local analyst about them. Today, we're going to talk about Kevin Zeitler and Josh Ross. And here to talk with me about them is Kyle Barber. Kyle, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Ken. How are you? Life's good, man. I uh, I can't complain. Back at this Seems like episode or two every single day. Been very entertaining stuff. Great discussions. Uh, that included the last one with you. Yeah, we had some fun last episode, and I'm excited to get to this one too. All right. Well, let's talk about Kevin Zeitler a little bit. Now, 33 years old, entering his 12th season. Now, we're going to talk about the contract stuff because that's a, a, a large part, I think, of the Kevin Zeitler story for 2023. But Still a very good combination of run and pass blocking skills. One of the things I really like about Zeitler is he's definitely a better pass blocker than he is a run blocker. Not a terrible run blocker by any stretch, but an elite pass blocker still in this league. Yeah, definitely uh, his stronger of the two suits. And I do appreciate like that you also said that he's not a bad run blocker. He used to be a, a far better one, and I think also PFF changed some of their grading systems on him for how he he kind of grades out. That doesn't mean he's he's you know better than what his numbers are or worse, but uh, necessarily I I really like what I've seen out of him on both fronts. And uh, regarding his passing uh, protection, you know he's had really two solid seasons for the Ravens. Um, allowed a total of three sacks, had thir- thirty hurries in two seasons. When in comparison, the two years prior with the New York Giants, he allowed five sacks, five quarterback hits, and 40 hurries. So he's had a a great kind of resurgence, you could almost say, from just that kind of statistical aspect. But he was a good player for the Giants, too, as well. And uh, I, I just think it's worth crediting kind of the Ravens front office for landing a guy 
that they saw his performance, they wanted him, and it was able to fill a big need for them at the time. And then also uh, landed with a good prospect, you know, and a prospect, excuse me, uh, a good player at a fair deal. And they didn't lose a comp pick when they did go back and sign him originally. They did not lose one because they didn't have any coming that year, right? I believe they didn't have one. I thought they might have had one coming, but they signed him after the fact. I thought that was, or it was, it was because he got cut from the Giants. So they didn't lose okay, that's a comp pick from that. Yep. All right. So uh, I have a little bit different statistics on Zeit Lawrence. Just the way I score it is a little mm-hmm. different from PFF. But since I use a three-second standard and they use a two-and-a-half, I, I have partial pressures, as people have no doubt heard me say. I've got slightly different totals, but they're very good. Uh, 13.0 pressures for the year. Half a quarterback hit allowed the entire season in two sacks. Uh, he effectively had a nearly identical season to Ben Powers. They were very similar in a lot of ways. Ben Powers had a even more extreme differential between his pass and run blocking. Uh, he had a uh, Ben Powers had fewer penalties, which was really nice. Uh, Zeitler had a slightly higher missed block rate, uh, which it's hidden in there somewhere in the PFF scoring, but they don't they don't show you what it is. So it's my show up as a minus a half uh, would be a typical missed block that I would score in in the pff system um and and the big thing was that that uh, zeitler had three 10 yard penalties during the season he had, they had another play against new orleans where i split up a false start three different ways because i couldn't really decide who was at fault zeitler for a late tap linderbaum for a late snap or lamar for getting to the line late so it's one of those that that uh, that I, I gave a third of it to each of two linemen as well. That's a, a small factor. What was really nice about the, the the games for both players is they qualitatively avoided really bad games. So the the worst game for each player were two Ds. And when I see a season like that, there's a lot of week to week variation. You can see this in PFF scores too, if that's where you want to look. But there's a lot of week to week variation in offensive line play. The same way, there's a lot of week to week variation in say line scores for a baseball player you know you have your two for four two home run games and not too many of those but but you have a lot of one time reach base maybe by hit or walk kind of thing that are a lot of your your your, your whole season and then you have some over fives where you really look look struggling maybe you hit it a double play with that well anyway zeitler and and powers both avoided the really bad games in this year and that was a that was a nice thing i think you know part of that um uh, is that both have, have matured a great deal as pass blockers. Um, I think that, that Zeitler has always been pretty good. I think Powers really came into his own in year four, earned himself an enormous contract based on the year he had. And, uh, you know, good luck to him. It's, it, the best way to say goodbye is with a, with a, you know, a nice fourth round comp pick to, to make it soothe the pain a little bit. Yeah, that'll that'll certainly come in handy for the Ravens when they knew they couldn't afford him. He knew it by the end of the year too. You know, mm-hmm. when they were doing locker cleanout, we were interviewing him about it. He was very matter of fact that you know he'd be happy to be here, but we'll see what the future holds. Which you know is is players speak for the money talks, <laughs> and uh, it was it was pretty obvious then. You mentioned the uh, penalties thing. That was something that I really uh, liked when I was looking over the numbers for for Zeitler that he had three last mm-hmm. year two two and then one accepted i think or one uh off uh, from what pff kind of had it graded as but he had seven penalties in 2021 so he really cleaned it up going back from that first year with the ravens to the second one and i was impressed by that because that's uh that, that's huge as you and i have talked about with with what 
how bad and how harsh holding penalties are and just, you know, the, the monotony of, of, you know, the five yard pre-snap penalties, they're not as critical or painful as the other ones, but those are, those are certainly something that he did pretty well with. He had, he had at least one and possibly more um, illegal downfield block in 21. So those are the real costly five yard penalties. They're the ones that give the defense the option and they're a five-yard penalty, so you you don't have any chance to win the play on that down. Um, and and they it, but they don't also cap the loss at just five yards because if if the play is worse, then the the defense gets to take that instead. So I know he had one; it was right on the goal line too. So it, was, it ended up being a really costly play, um, and there was a lot of dispute over whether it should have been called that or not, based on the fact that he kind of got he slipped off a block, I think, and got you know, a yard and a half or something into the end zone. It was a pretty, the, the ant rules analyst at the time was, was calling it a pretty marginal, uh, marginal call, but I can't remember exactly what game that was in. Yeah. I don't have the memorization of that one, but uh, as I said, I just really liked what I've seen out of him and, and kind of him becoming more of a, you know, still growing in year 11, he was still producing and still working hard and, and developing his game. And, and maybe that's a credit to Joe D'Alessandres, as you and I know and love mm-hmm. the Ravens offensive line coach and how he helped to uh, develop, uh, further develop Zeitler. Or if it's just he felt more comfortable in the system, maybe grasping the totality of Greg Roman's kind of you know, uh, offensive line system, I assume is, is rather vast. So the minutia of that stuff causes you to maybe be overlooked or, or maybe you overplay something, but in year two, he looked really solid. And I'm curious to see just how effective he can be in Munkin's system here in 2023. Yeah. You're, you're right. By the way, about 21, four, four penalty stalling drives in 2021, that illegal downfield pass came in week two. I forget who they played that week. That was in 21, so it wasn't this Miami game from last year, but right. uh, but I don't recall exactly who that was uh, about. But anyway, definitely got a nice cleanup, uh, as you mentioned, from from Zeitler. Uh, you know, one of the things I've always liked him about a player, and, and this is a, a run-blocking component, the Ravens will have some difficulty replacing, but I think they're planning to. I think that we'll get to this as the show goes on, but um, really good upper body strength, good enough mass as a player, probably plays a little bigger than he is because his upper body strength is good. And he really delivers excellent torque. Um, and, you know, we, we hear that word a lot at practice because, because uh, Dallas Andrews will use it, torque him, torque him, you know, kind of, you just talk to him, he turns it into a verb and, you know, yep. uh, it's uh, he, he does a very good job at opening the front gate, as I call it for a right-handed run game. If you want to run power and you want to, um, uh, create a hole there for a pulling player to go in and get another block. Uh, he's uh, he, he's quite a valuable guy. I do think the Ravens, you know, have that sort of player in Voorhees for 2024. And Voorhees starts at a you know normally rookies you, you got to get him in a weight room just to you know kind of bring him up to an NFL standard. I mean, Voorhees already is is one of the strongest players on the team. He'll start as. In 2024, I can't even imagine how strong he's going to be after all he really has to do for the year is rehab and lift weights. Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody's seen the viral clip of him bench pressing through a torn ACL, I believe, a day or two behind. And he already showed off just how strong he is as a player. Now he has the ability to just become a a monster in the weight room. And uh, he already looks big. I mean, we saw him on the sidelines during minicamp. He was out there uh, on crutches, I believe, is what he was uh, maneuvering around on. 
And uh, he was standing next to Ricard, which it's not fun to stand next to Ricard if you're a smaller guy because he just mm-hmm. out muscles and is just a monster. And uh, Vori's held his own, I'd say. You know, Ricard is uh, carved of granite and just this big dude, but uh, Voorhees looks strong and capable as well. And now, you know, they redshirt Voorhees for a season, and and he could be the guy that they that they plug in at right guard or you know the development of uh sala if they want to put him at right guard instead of left you know they're kind of been going through on the left guard battle but that's a question for 2024 with with Voorhees and and if they replace zeitler or pay him well and that that really is the question is do they really think they have their guy and can they afford to let zeitler go and that's really where i'm uh where i'm getting to this, and I think we'll talk about the contract a little bit now, since I think it's kind of a natural segue. Um, they restructured his contract to push four point three million of his twenty twenty three dollars into void years, so he's got those trailing out, and effectively, he's going to cost the Ravens, you know, four point three million in twenty twenty four. But that was a reduction in twenty three salary, uh, so it's not like it's the, the contract got any larger. Uh, reportedly, he wants an extension. Um, would like to stay with the Ravens. Now, one of the things that happens with older quality players is that you can get stuck in a two-for-one loop where you pay for two years and they're really only planning to play for one. And if you need to look back for examples, Ed Reed was retiring every season when he didn't have, he didn't have a new two-year deal. You know, Derek Mason, same thing. You know, there are a bunch of bunch of talk about retiring for Derek Mason. He got he got at least one or two two year deals out of the Ravens. And the most recently is Marshall Yanda. You know, they we, he was signed to a two year deal that would have gone through to 2020 and he retired after 2019. And honestly, Yanda was much more upfront about it. That was the plan the whole way along. This is a one year deal in the in the in a two year deals clothing kind of thing. But I think that is a concern with Zeitler, and and it was one of my concerns with that he might retire after this last season, or at least threaten it to try and get a two-year deal. Now, we're talking contract extension. Hopefully, they had this discussion before they void-eared his his deal, but... uh, but I, I think that Zeitler probably has too much on the line to actually retire. He's a guy who... I think still probably has a pretty decent sized contract left after 2023. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And uh, from what we've seen uh, regarding like his discussions on retirement is that he has no plans to retire right now. That has not been the communication of it when it was talked about, you know, on possible retirements or, or mm-hmm. possible moves. Um, his wife on Twitter, Sarah was uh, saying, you know, uh, that there's no plans of him leaving. You know, he still had this deal going on now beyond for 2023. Anyways, he had no interest in, in hanging him up before this season. So next year, you know, that's, that is a different conversation. And as you said, likely one, they brought up before activating void years into his contract to save money and, and navigate through the cap space of this season. Uh, but I think this is a guy that could reasonably land a, solid two-year contract in arguably a three-year you know Mm -hmm. maybe that's a long time to put a term on something and and by that third year you know you definitely are going to have to have somebody developed but Zeitler's a you know a constant it takes a lot to get that guy off of the football field and uh he's a guy that it takes really good care of his body he puts a lot of money into himself uh in a healthy you know consistent 
kind of building toward person and uh and he was able to be out there on the field for just about every game for the Ravens. I believe he missed one, maybe two. I can't quite remember. I know he couldn't go in one just because he couldn't. Have, he had no confidence in his knee. I remember he on the sideline watching him and uh, him shaking his head and and the coaches telling him not to go. Uh, you know, the training staff was like, nodding him like, no, it's not worth it. And, and you can mm-hmm. tell that he was disappointed. So he's a guy that loves to battle. He loves to play football. He loves to be out there and and compete and and also he treats it like a job full stop uh it's it's kind of entertaining to see how he he just talks about football being it's not as serious as you think it is but it is a serious job and he describes it as work and that's what it is uh kind of to that Nikola Jokic level of just you know I'm here to put in the work and then when work is done I go home and I see my kids and my wife and my family it's uh it's fun to uh to to I'm not familiar with Nikola Jokic who is that oh that's uh the NBA uh star from uh the Denver Nuggets who um when he was interviewed after they just won the uh NBA finals he said the job is done we can now go home and he got upset that he had to stay for the Denver the Denver parade because he had a horse race in Serbia uh, he lives in Serbia and he had horse races on Sunday and he's like, I'm going to, and, and I have the, I have the parade on Thursdays. Like I have to stay here in America still. And it was very entertaining to see a guy uh, talk about that. You'll have to look it up after this because As uh, of the four major sports, it's definitely my number four is the NBA. Yeah, so uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm a, hockey, a baseball fan and a hockey fan, probably third. Uh, so anyway, the, the, uh, the Ravens are going to need to make their 2024 plan. A lot of it revolves around money. The second contract of Lamar means every financial decision is going to have to be put under the microscope. Uh, Zeitler is one of those decisions. I don't think I, I like you. I don't. I'm not even sure the term of the contract is not open for even a longer term than that. But the but the structure would be such that there would be real dollars in the final years. And as a player, you want a flat structure or you want to get a lot of your money guaranteed up front. And then, you know, a, 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 a structure which maximizes the likelihood that the team still wants to keep you around. Um, but anyway, I, I think the the uh, the Ravens would end up with, uh, 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 you know, they, they'd want to put significant dollars into the out years of a contract if they signed it such that if there's a retirement objective there, it doesn't uh, uh, cost them a lot of money to, to do it. They have, a, they have a recovery still to be had. I, my own personal feeling, I think the Ravens probably think they have their guy at right guard. I think they're going to have to kind of fly blind on this and not know exactly what they have when Voorhees is ready for 24 but more than that, I think it really magnifies the need for the Ravens then now to find that multi-year starter at left guard. We've gone through now, what, about three of the last five camps, it seems like, where the Ravens have had the left guard position up in the air, including ones where Powers has been there. Like we didn't, we did not know at the beginning of the last camp that Powers was the obvious choice over, say, Ben Cleveland. No, we had no idea. That was that was Powers was looked at as the dark horse of that competition and many didn't expect you know there was talk of hey if they cut powers this year they save like i think it was like yep. 1.6 million yep. and instead he became not only the starter but a star guard in the nfl 
it was a surprise to everybody. People were blown away going, why isn't Cleveland out there? Why isn't this guy out here? It doesn't make any sense. McCary, you know, instead of just being that six-man guy, he could be in there at left guard instead. He's pretty good, you know, at tackle. He could do well, you know, at, at, at guard instead with Stanley next to him. Instead, it was Ben Powers by a mile. And mm-hmm. uh, now they have to c- figure that out again. And like you said, it's been like three out of the last five camps. They just continue having to figure out left guard. But right guard could be a possibility of a of just as much of a question mark in next year if if uh, the money and the figures don't add up for for Zeitler or for the Ravens or if they just can't afford him uh, if he yeah. has another great year. I, I think it's a matter of they just can't afford him. I think that's really what it comes down to. There's no way in hell. I mean, as an offensive line scorer, I can just tell you, we'd love to have Kevin Zeitler back in Baltimore for more time. But it's a matter of... <laughs> Every single discussion, every single dollar of expenditure now needs to be looked at real closely. The fact that Ravens are even using void years right now is a complete departure strategically for them. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's something that um, I really don't like on the surface. I really hate it with Beckham in, in terms of the amount of void, void dollars they put into his contract and the, what, you know, what they're going to pay in 2024 when he's not here. Um, but... You know, it, it, he, he, the arguments are, are much more complex in that case. In in the future, in terms of, of just how many cornerstone players they can have with Lamar, um, they're approaching the maximum. And they might be able to have one more cornerstone contract that they fit under Lamar's contract as they're up in two, three, and four. But they're also going to have to make some other tough decisions. Like, is Ronnie Stanley still the player um, in 2024 and five in particular? Yeah. that they need him to be to justify his dollar amount. If he's if he returns to who Ronnie Stanley was 2019, no problem. If he returns to 95% of that level or 92% of that level, no problem. If he's if he ends up being somewhere um, you know, close to where Ronnie was this last year when he's still a, a good pass blocker just no longer has the quickness to do what he used to do as a run blocker, then I think it becomes a real question. Do they do they have to try and rebuild at left tackle and it becomes a, a, a difficult strategic decision because finding that left tackle is very difficult in, uh, in the draft. You almost have to go near the top of the first round to get a top guy. Otherwise you're taking a shot on developmental guy. And that of course would, would have implications that would ripple through. Um, so, you know, they're, they're going to have to make these choices about their cornerstone players. You know, Humphrey is not at risk real soon. Um, uh, Andrews is not at risk real soon. Roquan is just signed. He's not at risk real soon. It really comes down to to Ronnie Stanley and other players who who might earn that money, but it really just doesn't exist for them in, 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 in terms of Kevin Zeitler and maybe some others. Yeah, the void years thing that you talked about is something that I was really struck by, that Zeitler has it, Michael Pierce has it, yep. Aguilar, and Odell Beckham Jr. I don't remember seeing void years in previous contracts, certainly not to that extent mm-hmm. either, but there's four guys that might be more, I can't remember, but that's those are the, those ones are the that four I'm aware of. Yeah, and that's I, the four but, I'm aware of. Yeah. And but, it's stunning to see how 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 far past they they have pursued building this contender and it feels truly super bowl or bust because that's so much money to be put for the future for right now yeah they're they're we're having a show uh this week recorded uh with brad spielberger to talk about cap health on a three-year basis mm-hmm. and it's a little bit of a moving target because i i, I want to ask him about how we you know factor in for players who are approaching their first big deal 
and and look at that. Maybe they have some valuation system that does that. But I'm really looking forward to that conversation. The Ravens rank near the bottom of his um, uh, order. I think it's 27th out of 32 in terms of three-year cap health. So not a place they're used to being in recent years. They usually are tight to the cap, but they also are um, you know, pretty good about not push, kicking the can too far down the road um, with this thing. And it, it, was, it may be a one-year occurrence or it may be one that they're going to phase out over, say, two years because of the Lamar Jackson. They had to be ready to pay him if he had played on the tag. So they had to have those, those dollars actually fungible in 2023. Yep. Uh, and and uh, such did not end up needing to be the case, but the, the Ravens probably still need some of that space to make moves during the year anyway. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can't go into the season with zero dollars or one million as some fans be, you know, spend as much as you can build the mm-hmm. best possible roster. It's yeah. 12 weeks into the season, they still have to have money to build that best roster because suddenly you lose a guy or two Dobbins knee injury doesn't come back well. And, and you're on Gus, but you've been overusing him. Uh, cornerback depth all of a sudden gets depleted as Ravens fans know and, and have watched and experienced previously. Uh, you know, you, you have to have some of that money available, and that was part of the fungibleness of of their uh, financial situation, entering it when they expected it to be Lamar Jackson on, on a tag. The, the other thing that we, we may – okay. First of all, I talked with Dan Reese, a cap expert. I think Brian McFarlane would give you a similar number, but he would tell you that the typical amount you need to go into a season with is about $5 million, maybe 5 to 7 if you really want to be careful – in order to pay pro rata vet men contracts for the players that you lose during the year. So that if you, you could lose five players for a full season, but it's more likely you lose 10 players for half a season, if you want to think about it that way. And, and you pay pro rata amounts to those guys and every dollar counts there. So you have to, you have to pay for it. Another big use for in season cap dollars is to make trades. Now you can create cap dollars in season two, by the way. It's not, it's not like you, you, there's no way to get those, but it's, it's to make trades. And last year they acquired Roquan Smith. They did not have the dollars to take his salary on. What they effectively had to do was give more draft capital, to the bears in exchange for Roquan, because the bears took some of that uh, salary burden off him for 2022. Yeah, and and along those lines, when you talk about trades in the season, needing the money, Xavier Howard, two years ago, the Ravens wanted to acquire Xavier Howard from the Dolphins, and it didn't occur, and it was because of the financial ramifications. That's what Eric DaCosta was telling us afterwards, that they wanted to make a trade. He loves to make midseason trades. We've seen him do it with Peters, Roquan Smith. He attempted so for Xavier Howard. They want to be able to bring in the talented guys to push them over the edge by the end of, of the trade deadline to, to ramp up this team and, and build them into the best contender they can. And you can't do that without money and you can't do that without going into the season with some flexibility for just paying the vets and also making trades. Yeah, very much true. And you know, a lot of teams as the season goes on, particularly a lot of the contenders, because they typically tend to spend a little bit closer to the line. Um, those teams often don't have money and you can put yourself in an advantageous trade position in terms of, of value, not, not just necessarily in terms of 
um, what you have to give up to get a player exactly, but you may you may limit the number of bidders in the conversation, which indirectly reduces what you need to give up. So, so having a few extra dollars on your books when another team really wants to trade a player uh, is a valuable thing. I think 2019, taking on Marcus Peters, they took whatever he was earning on, and there was no... Um, uh, uh, shell game with the dollars played where the Rams kept some. And the reason I believe that and the Rams were signing Jalen Ramsey at the same time, which was going to cost them a lot uh, and, and certainly did the next year. Um, but uh, but that was an interesting one that the Ravens were in a position to do it. Obviously, that one worked out very well for for the for the Ravens on that one. Yeah, the Ravens, uh, like Eric DeCosta Eric says on record, he loves to make trades. It's one of the best parts of being a GM is the excitement over being able to make a trade and always trying to win the trades is his big importantness to it as well. And there's varying degrees of winning those trades, and uh, he's done well thus far, I'd say. Yeah, I, I would too. So his big trades have been in Gakwe and Roquan and Marcus Peters. That's a that's you know, and Gakwe did not work out as the Ravens would have hoped, but I think we'd say Peters and Roquan ended up being signings. I mean, you don't always get that. They weren't rentals. They were thought they might be rentals at the time mm-hmm. uh, in in each of those three cases, and only Ngakwe was. So that's a pretty damn good record. Yeah, not about no doubt about it. Let's go back to Zeitler for a second because, you know, one of the things about his career that's been really interesting is that I think he's been probably one of the best players, certainly of the PFF era, guards, never have to have made a Pro Bowl. Now, why do I say the PFF era? Well, prior to PFF, Pro Bowl voting um, was pretty poor, pretty piss poor at positions that didn't have statistics. So, uh, you know, offensive line play was not well graded. Um, uh, PFF started their system in 2007. They then went back and got 2006. And, you know, it evolved a little bit over time, but it was it was fairly transparent originally w- what they were doing. And, and uh, you know, I thought they, they uh, you know, had something that they were immediately pretty much able to sell to the NFL. Uh, but anyway, the, 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 the point out of this was the writers have had, PFF to use as their crutch for Pro Bowl voting for now all of Zeitler's career, basically. And still, he's never made a Pro Bowl, which is really fairly remarkable. He's made $86 million, as, as far as they see it, through 23 in the game. And he's, he's managed to, to never make a Pro Bowl. And he's got to be one of the extreme cases there. That is something that it's funny. Uh, Sarah Zeitler tweets out every year, looking forward to all the articles about my husband and how he has yet to make a Pro Bowl, and he's a snub once again. And it was four minutes after we had published Kevin Zeitler's snub from the Pro Bowl yet again, because every year he doesn't somehow make it, but he is one of the best guards in football. Yeah. Second team all pro one time. So, you know, that obviously is this this last year, uh, Powers got a first team. Well, you, you, that there isn't there aren't second votes. At least I don't believe there are in guards. So they 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 he got a vote for for all pro, uh, which is really an honor, by the way. Uh, but he didn't he didn't get a sniff of the Pro Bowl either. So uh, uh, that was, uh, you know, it's one of those things, I guess. Uh for 2023, let's look ahead in terms of this. And we're not going to get to the good and great season yet, but I kind of assume this will be a prove it year again for me. I'm sure that is very unwelcome to him, but I really, I just, I 
think it's probably unlikely the Ravens and he are going to be able to reach a, a settlement or an agreement just looking at their overall structure of their cap right now. Yeah, it's not going to be a, a pay before the season because um, the Ravens can't really mitigate any, uh, you know, not cap damage, I guess you could say from that, for lack of a better word. Uh, they can't really gain anything from paying him just a little bit less for some security in that. I don't see that as an opportunity or, or an option for them. And though Zeitler would love to have money now and get a, a long-term deal or a two-year or three-year deal locked down right now, it's in his best financial interest to play this out begrudgingly because there's likely a, a bigger payday out there than even the Ravens could give him unless he wants to take a true team friendly deal, which, uh, you know, he might have the money to do so. But like, why do that if you are worth what you are worth in the Ravens fans? And you certainly know just how much he is worth. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um you know, Zeitler hasn't been a, a one-team player in his career. And I, I wouldn't call the guy a mercenary by any stretch, but he's, he's been on, played on four teams. Uh, I think he's at a point where uh, he may like the locker room here. There may be a reason why he likes it more. But it's much easier to play for a team-friendly deal when you're near the vet minimum or at the vet minimum. It's much easier to play for team-friendly plus a handshake. Uh, when you're when you're at the vet minimum, so so you know if you like your current position, you like the Ravens, you're Anthony Levine or you're you're uh, Albert McClellan or you're Brent Urban now or you're Pernell McPhee a couple of years ago, you know it's it's easy to to make that decision. In this case of Zeitler, he he may have to make a decision that's you know six million to stay in Baltimore, nine million to play somewhere else, say and 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 I don't know if those can be the exact numbers. They might be might be deinflating them. They may have to be inflated significantly more on both sides, but. I would think it's going to be more difficult given his history to just say, I I'm, I'm saying sayonara to the 3 million because I like the offensive line coach and I like the players I'm playing with. And I, I like playing with Lamar Jackson. I just, I'm, I'm not convinced he would do that for 3 million a season. I don't think so. I think Kevin Zeitler has uh it, it seems like his primary focus is his family and what he for the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase. It's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. 
Get everything you need for your next project today at Menards and save big money. LP SmartSide products are the number one brand of engineered wood siding. SmartSide trim and siding offers long-lasting performance and delivers the warmth and beauty of traditional wood. Save big money today at Menards and LP SmartSide products. Plus, visit Menards.com to view the weekly flyer and check out all of our great deals happening this week. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply can do for them uh and that's not a negative on a guy at all it's just sure. that you know whatever moves you can make to secure your family for generations and taking care of his daughters the way that he does and and his you know his family and that's and, and football being work a, a job that he you know loves to do and has a passion for but at the end of the day it's work and he, and he does so to make money and and you know three million dollars to go play for another football team uh, is not a you know that's not something to s- dismiss so easily as we kind of see it, especially when it's people. somebody else's money. Don't don't mm-hmm. dismiss it because you, you wouldn't anybody in the working world, anybody in business, they move for that kind of money. You completely understand it, mm-hmm. and, and you know they they may love their company, and yet mm-hmm. you know uh, the, the money is too good to pass up a lot of times. And, and and even in the case of they've made a lot of money lifetime, the money will still be good too good to pass up a lot of times. Absolutely. That's something that I always see as overlooked is like, he's already, you know, this guy's already made enough money. He should just stay with the Ravens or he should stay with this team. And, you know, because he loves this team so much. It's like you, if somebody came up to you and gave you a 40% raise, if you worked at a a job doing the same job you're doing, Mm -hmm. but made 40% more and you love to do it. Of course you're going there. Are you kidding me? So I I just don't know how the Ravens can afford him in in you know in the future. But for his play right now, you love every snap of his uh, because it's it's good to have that kind of a guy at right guard. Yeah, absolutely. And let's uh, let's go right there from what's a good season and what's a great season for Kevin Zeitler. You go ahead and start us off with a good season and where you where you draw the line on that. Right. Uh, a good season for him is to minimize any possible regression is kind of where I'm starting with. Um, he's going into year 12. He's had 11,000 snaps in football, in pro football. And so the wear and tear is a possibility, even though he takes great care of his body and works really hard. Um, you know, becoming an older player and at a physical position, minimizing the the, the deficiencies and the the degradation of of kind of his play i think is a good year if he can re- if he can repeat last season's production that's phenomenal that that's great i think that's good enough uh and i think that it, it, that can qualify as a good year uh continue to minimize those penalties as he did regressing those from like i said 7 down to 3 uh those are the areas for me that i think are uh, that would qualify as a good year very similar. Um, he's been remarkably durable his entire career. I, I, I would set the mark at 950 snaps is what I'd like to see from him this year, which I think he could do if he missed about three games. 
Um, and maybe even a little bit more than that with Monken's offense, but 950 snaps is where I put it. Minimal concessions to age as a run blocker. Now, he's already probably not quite the guy he once was, but minimal additional concessions. And I, he he's the fourth best, I believe, pass blocker in the NFL. So Powers, I think, was number two, and I think he was number four by PFF. Um, if I'm looking at the entire NFL, I want to see that he, does, he stays in the top quartile of pass blockers in the NFL. If he dropped to you know eighth, that would be fine. Uh, ninth, tenth, that's probably fine too. If he drops to seventeenth, that's not fine. So uh, you know he's he's that's where he's making his money, and and I, I hope he can retain that as a good season. But that's a, that's yeah. I look at that and I say that's a lot to expect out of a thirty three year old player as a good season. Then again, his record of durability is so outstanding, and his and his consistency as well has been very good. Uh, that I think it's probably not unreasonable to say that's a 60th percentile result, which is how I set these. Yeah, the measuring stick for Zeitler is a is a strong one because he's had such a proven track record of his durability mm-hmm. and of his performance. So, yes, it sounds kind of outlandish at areas to be like, oh, just a good year would him be not regressing and continuing the production because he was a top four guard last year, and if he remains as a top five, you know, top ten, top twelve guy. Uh, that's valuable is good like it's it's crazy to be like if you're a top 12 guy that's a good year but uh by his standards that's what it is yeah you know the guy who's very similar and played well into his 30s with the ravens is matt burke matt burke he was he was a six-time pro bowler when he came to the ravens and i i was not completely sold on him but then he absolutely, the, the Ravens had him about the time I was starting to score football. I, I, already Jason Brown had been in the books and, and, and some other things, but Burke came in and he's scoring at a level. It's just incredible week after week, great pad level, not missing blocks, you know, not getting bullied around the way we, you know, the huge number of undersized centers have uh, in the time since, you know, it, Jeremy Zuda and players like that, you know, Gronkowski. And he completely ruined the curve that I use and centers have to have a higher score. I said it's significantly higher. And part of that was how well Burke and, and, and Brown before him too had played Brown, of course, got a big contract with the Rams. They really regretted, but Burke PFF called him their 22nd best player in the league. I think his first year with the Ravens, it might've been. Yeah. I think it was his first year with the Ravens and it's in the whole NFL that Matt Burke is the 22nd best player. So it, it kind of defied any kind of logic. But if you look back, he's that same sort of player who the only wish you had for him year after year was to 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 you know cheat father time yet another year the way Montgomery Burns cheats death on an ongoing basis on the <laughs> Simpsons so it's uh uh it's really special but uh but anyway Zeitler if there's a player who who I had the highest likelihood of him doing it would be him in terms of saying he could remain durable at his age absolutely his his effectiveness has just been noticeable and and something worth worth praising about as much as we have move move on to a great season tell me what that looks like for you a great season is remaining in that top five for for guards at least in terms of the pass blocking he's going to be called on a lot this season with todd munkin's change to the offense they're going to be passing the ball far more frequently Mm -hmm. he's probably going to have to continue to help out with linderbaum and 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 uh, you know, helping with uh, the, the combo blocks there. Uh, you and I talked about in that previous episode 
um, about the left guard role and how that's going to be the you know a weakness that defenses are hoping to exploit is the split between center and left guard. Well, left a gap. Yes, and and you're going to see uh, I think a lot of of um, uh, Zeitler moving and helping to uh, assist Linderbaum so he can focus more on those areas if that's where the weakness in this offensive scheme is going to land. So if he can help alleviate the pressure from Linderbaum, who is undersized, and we've talked about that, then helping in that area and remaining top five as a, as a pass-blocking guy and maybe even improving in the run game with maybe less volume but greater production and you know quality instead of the quantity at the run game but i don't ask for for an overwhelming amount because as we said he's 33 years old and and you can only put a bar so high even for somebody that has this kind of track record definitely true that surprises are generally negative ones for older players really in any sport but but in football in particular players get old in a hurry uh at, at some point i have basically a very similar thing but I'm setting the bar for a great season. This is an 80th percentile season. It's 16 plus regular season games. So he plays, he misses no more than one game. Uh, he continues that streak of outstanding durability. He beats father time by effectively duplicating his 2022 season. So I'm saying basically he could go up a little bit as a run blocker down as a pass blocker, but you understand that in, in aggregate, I want him to duplicate what's going on. And I think you're right. There will be a higher focus on those pass blocking uh, pass protection snaps so he should have a good opportunity to uh, to, to use his um, better skill a little bit more this year. And, and here's the big thing. He finally gets a deep playoff run. And I don't know if you know this, but Kevin Zeitler has an 0-5 record in postseason games currently with Cincinnati, I think with, oh. with Cleveland, I don't know who. But, but boy, if anybody deserved to get a postseason win and really experience the postseason on a deep run, boy, that would be, I, I think, I, it wouldn't necessarily be one of the stories everybody is talking about in the postseason, although I think some national news outlet is going to pick up on the fact that, hey, Zeitler's 0-5 in the postseason right now. This is a win for him. We need we don't need to talk about Lamar Jackson, who was 1-3 and before. Uh, you know, This is the guy we really need to talk about. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's, this is an opportunity. It's, he's playing on a good team, and this, is, this will be a chance to uh, you know, get past that first round game for the first time, and and uh, you know, hopefully maybe make a conference championship. Yeah, I did not know that stat. And if the Ravens go into the playoffs, I will be asking Kevin Zeitler about that if go. at all possible before the week, and hopefully after, and talk about how he did win a playoff game, and it feels good. So uh, you can bet your bottom dollar I'll be the one to ask him if nobody else is doing so if that comes around this season. All right, let's move on. Talk about Josh Ross uh, entering his second season as a backup inside linebacker. A lot of people were um, oh, skeptical about Josh Ross coming this year, and part of that being the Michigan connection and you know him having played with McDonald the year before. Uh, played the first two games of 2022 on special teams, had a tackle in each game, went down with an injury. Uh, there is a note on his wiki, and I don't remember this happening, but maybe you do about him being designated to return late in the season. And then he, he never did. I don't never, never saw a transaction bringing him back onto the roster. Um, but long story short, he never got exposed to waivers during the season, which is a very key component. Yeah. I remember asking John Harbaugh about Ross. Um, and it was like right after, because it was amid the 
injury substance regarding Lamar. And I, I thought I'd be kind and throw him a softball on a, mm-hmm. on an injury that he would want to answer about. And he said that Ross is coming along fine and they kind of, they think he'll be back. And then, you know, I don't think it ever came to fruition just because they had Roquan and, and queen. So I don't know the whole uh, designated to return situation, but I know that, the Ravens essentially just didn't need him anymore. And that's probably the reason why was that Roquan landed and there was nothing to add to that defense afterward. <laughs> yeah. And they, they had him protected. There's no reason to DTR him, bring him back and then have to transact him somehow after that, where you would, you, you might expose him to waivers. So um, it's, it's, we used to see season ending IRs, you know, IR stashes, uh, before the season started, sometimes with a with a little bit of a made up injury, uh, to uh, stash a player for the year, yep. that used to be very very common in the NFL. I think it's less common now. Um, it's more common you you bring the player onto the roster by waving a handshake player, mm-hmm. stick him in a in a spot where you could DTRM with the yep. with the rules currently, and then bring him back. Uh, but uh, but it's it's I think. You know, since you already have the ability to put 56 or 57 on your roster, oftentimes uh, uh, by using these handshake deals with players, you don't need to resort to putting a guy on a shelf for the whole year. And they, they still did, you know, have done some of that kind of stuff, but but it's but it's it's much less common than it used to be for stashing purposes. Right. And uh, but even with that, um, kind of segueing into Ross's kind of future with the team um i think it's a little tough to see him making this 53 man roster right now after signing you know the the highest ever off-ball linebacker contract to smith not picking up queen's option kind of signaling that they want a new guy but they currently have queen and they're mm-hmm. not going to get rid of him so he's going to be on this 53 and if he's then, not traded yeah. if he's not traded yes mm-hmm. and then you just drafted trenton simpson and he like I would like to have Ross on the roster, but can you make the argument you want him more than, uh, you know, a Malik more Harrison. valuable special teamer or a more valuable corner or a depth piece elsewhere? And it's really hard to determine such a thing. I, I expect the team to carry four inside linebackers. They use inside linebackers very typically for um, uh, special teams. Of course, Malik Harrison has a big role on all four of the coverage and kick units. So I, I don't think that um, he's likely to go, but the reason to do it would be a switch in service time because Malik Harrison is entering year four. By the way, you know, I just gave you the easy question to ask Harbaugh. Here's the easiest article to write during the whole camp process is uh, who, might, who might be on the bubble this year? Just look at all the fourth-year players. Every mm-hmm. fourth-year player is, is in jeopardy. They're either a star who's going to, you know, Ravens may lose, uh, or, or they're a guy who, who might be cut because their, their option value is out in year four. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's why the Ravens may look for a reset, I think, at inside linebacker. Um, that said, Malik Harrison has the characteristics of a player who could become a McClellan type that the Ravens keep around for multiple two-year deals. Now, it's really a question of what his expectations and what his goals are. But at some point, somebody, his family, his agent, We'll probably have a talk, and maybe some other players who've done it already. Maybe maybe he talks to Anthony Levine about this kind of a thing, about you know what are your options really in the NFL, and and 
you know, embedding yourself with a team, really understanding everything they do on special teams, embracing that, and then also bringing this versatility as a linebacker is very valuable. And by the way, that might very well be the path for Josh Ross as well. He's just two years behind. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that for every everything you're and every point you're making about Malik Harrison being that guy, Ross can also be that guy. Yep. Whether that's in Baltimore or not remains to be seen and we'll see what they make as far as the decisions uh at this position and and like you said the fourth year guys are are uh, at risk if they're not stars, they are absolutely at risk. So that's going to be the curiosity, but uh when Ross was, I, I liked when I was looking over kind of numbers for Ross, uh, I saw that he actually um, was rather successful in pass rushing. He had 35 pressures in college in four years. He had seven quarterback hits, nine hurries. He had two sacks. And it was a good area for Ross to be talented in because, in, you know, rushing the passer, because that's an area where the Ravens deploy queen a lot. They mm-hmm. like his a gap blitzes. They love sending him on those delayed ones or, mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, shooting him through gaps. And if Ross can fit into that role, uh, that's an area that he can take over if they're moving on from queen, but that still has a determination of with Simpson and Harrison ahead of him yes. right now. So Harrison brings a different kind of versatility to the team. And I'll I'll talk about that in a second, but, but to start with, with Simpson, Simpson is a lot like queen, except he's a better coverage player. And that doesn't mean he's as good as queen in some of the other ways. And he's, it doesn't mean he's ready for the NFL in terms of strength and other things. Cause I think we're going to see on that, but Simpson's a converted safety and he sees the field better. He sees the field as if he's from level three and has done a lot more in college to limit yards per target on his intended receiver and has a better understanding and deeper drops in the middle of the field. Uh, so Queen could could still take another step forward in that area right now. But right now, I'd say even though it's year one and year four, that of those two guys, Simpson is probably the guy I would trust a little more in coverage. Now, that doesn't mean on third down, I don't want Queen's blitzing in there. Queen's very fast. <laughs> And and I you know I want him in there for that. It doesn't mean that I trust Simpson from a strength perspective or other things. I just I think he brings something to the table that's out there. I think Josh Ross also brings a lot of that, and probably at a slightly lower level, certainly at a lower level than than where Simpson could be. Uh, but Josh Ross showed some good coverage instincts, I thought, in the preseason in twenty two, and was one of the real standouts for the Ravens. Yeah, I really liked what I saw out of Ross. I tried to talk to him a lot because, you know, you want to get in and talk to these players just from a journalistic side of things. You want to talk to these younger players early to, you know, maybe establish a relationship and show that you're not just there once the going gets good, but you were there (laughs) when they were building up and and you tried to establish these connections. And I really liked talking to him, really smart kid and uh, incredibly hard worker and it was so fun to to talk to him when he made the final 53 he was brought out as one of the the players that we were able to talk to and he was he's a guy that you know i think either restarted the udfa streak or continued it i know it broke up after like a 17 year right. tradition of just always holding on to a udfa but it but might he's be back two now there. or something yeah. yeah it's like two or three now and he was the only guy from last year and and i liked what i saw out of his play and no, it wasn't enough to not draft Simpson, obviously. But uh, you know, there's a there's a possibility of him being able to play uh, good quality football in the NFL. Let's go back to Malik Harrison for a second. 
because I, I I think that the level of versatility he brings is very different, and it's it it makes him a special and a tough cut, which indirectly impacts Ross, of course, or directly depending how you want to you you want to think about it. But he uh, because he played a fair amount of edge this last year when the Ravens needed him to, and he's just a run defense edge. He's really not a pass rusher. Um, that's still has value and that's very Albert McClellan like Albert McClellan combination inside outside linebacker Albert McClellan in fact started a game at defensive end for the Ravens <laughs> a, a year where Suggs was out uh-huh. uh yep. and and so, he's, so we had some we've, we've had some uh fairly uh amazing versatility from McClellan and Levine two long-term special teamers Levine's played all over the the, the secondary for the Ravens um uh, but anyway the, the, with with Josh Ross um, that's, that's a very tough hand to beat, but there are a couple ways I think he makes this roster. And, and, and number one would be if something happens, if the depth of the top four doesn't hold up for whatever reason, injury wise, um, that's one possibility. And possibly number two is they decide that it's time to trade queen because they can maximize value. They can get it in return. They think they've got something in Simpson. Maybe they like him from early parts of camp or from the preseason, and they say, you know what? It's not ideal. It's not optimal, but we like what this guy does in coverage. He's almost as good a pass rusher as Patrick is. He seems to read his, you know, read read off Roquan or do whatever else they, they want him to do very effectively. So he could he, he's our guy this year. He's, he'll be our weak side linebacker this year. And that also allows them, if they decide to, to go back to, to more of a dimeback role where they either bring a safety in or they treat Simpson with a role that they would give Levine in terms of coverage because he's more adept at that. So uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on Ross as an opportunistic possibility. I don't think any of them has a really high probability of occurring, but I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Overall, it, like I said, I, it's just so tough for him to be able to make a roster when you have – Big name guys strapped into into the contracts they currently have. Yes, Queen can get traded, and that's a a thing that I've looked over and read articles and and considered content on is is what's his value. And I think there's arguably more value in, in having him play out this year in this big push yep. that they're having. It's clear that they see this as Super Bowl or bust. We talked about the void year contracts. We've seen the big money that they've spent. We've seen the moves that they've made in the offseason to s- supply them with a full array of weapons on offense, moves made just to add to their defense. And it's this is not a year that you you take a flyer on a UDFA and trade your former first-round pick to uh, gain some capital and maybe fill out a position elsewhere. It's instead the year where you push all the chips in and you take the value that you already have and you do your best to maximize it. And that's just not the for the fortuitousness of of Ross in his well, situation. If if that is the case, if it is the case that Ross gets the end of camp, if he's not hurt, which is a possibility, you can always get him onto the roster, um, IR him. And then replace them with a with a one of your handshake guys. Be another possibility they could do this year, and then and then he'd be legitimate reserve value if one of your big four gets hurt. Okay, so you could you could do it that way, or possibly number two. And I think they're really going to have to consider this: is if if he has the kind of preseason he had last year, and he shows out, he makes plays, he's you know all over the field, he's in gaps, he's he's touching the football again uh, when it's passed. Um, I think you got to think about trading him 
And and you know it's it's a he's a second year player, but I don't think he's the kind of guy who slips through to your practice squad if the events I just discussed you know come to pass. Yeah, some teams will say, oh, you know, you aren't going to send a, a high round pick or even a, like a low round pick for for another linebacker. But a, a linebacker that gets his hands on the football does well in coverage, has pass rushing ability, and and is really smart. I mean, he showed up and immediately he had the green dot. He was the one communicating things in practice. He was the one running, you know, Mike McDonald's defense when he arrived in camp as a UDFA linebacker. This is a guy that's cerebral, who's intelligent. Who has you know the speed and and agility and and you know awareness to make plays and as a linebacker that is more valuable than I think we kind of give grades for nowadays and and so much of the talk being about off ball linebackers but you know you give a six up for him or a fifth that'd be uh, the Ravens would absolutely take that because that's huge value out of of a guy that they just aren't going to use with their top four being the way it is and the pursuit that they're working on. And if he has that preseason, like you said, that replicates what we saw last year. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, I probably would put the price at a six. He's got three controllable years, which is really nice. And mm-hmm. you don't, most of the guys who are traded at the end of the preseason are fourth year guys who get traded for conditional seventh or to match mm-hmm. with a need with another team has mm-hmm. with a player that they don't have room for. And yep. those don't happen all that much. Derek Martin was involved in a trade like that. I want to say where he was traded for another uh, guy who was in his fourth year, and you know we gave away a corner, and I think maybe we got a lineman out of the deal, kind of thing. But it's it's usually that kind of a trade, um, and and it's it's very hard to engineer those because it has to be an exact need for need exchange of a fourth year player, and there just yep. there just are are a limited number of total combinations in yep. the entire NFL that fit that. Yeah, I, I'm not expecting it to be that kind of a trade if it is. So I think, like you said, the the sixth round pick makes sense. And, and you, you're trading not only for the player, but the better point, like you said, you're trading for the contract, the controllable yeah. years. Yeah. And it would be uh, Ross is a UDFA, so he'd still have an RFA year in year four. Uh, so he's, he's not signed for the entire period. So that's a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a downer, but he probably, uh, you know, if, if, if the RFA is year is worth it, it's worth it. It's a low market value year still, and it's a high mm-hmm. friction contract. Meaning, almost never do you get an RFA bought out from under you. The 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 last one I can remember the Ravens doing was Sneed buying him away from the Saints. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it does it doesn't happen very often. And so uh, anyway, you uh, uh, we've got that. Um. I think we've pretty much hit on most of these things. What's a good season for Josh Ross? Making the 53-man roster is what I had as a good year, mainly just for him personally, not so much on like the football side. Just If he can make the roster, that's a good year. That might be even be a great year, to be quite honest. <laughs> I, my good season is a little bit different. Is, is, is the Ravens' clear choice as at least the fifth inside linebacker? And that's where I think he is right now. Christian Welch, sorry as I am to say about it, as a fourth-year player, he I I don't see how they would take him over Ross. I, mm-hmm. I really don't. He's got some special teams value. I think Ross could bring you that and bring you some defensive versatility to really get on the field. Uh, and he's got three controllable years to one, so that's you know a classic kind of a cut situation. Um, so as the fifth inside linebacker, either is going to earn him a spot on the practice squad and perhaps some early activations. 
if he's elevated three times or activated as the um, he could be activated as the fourth inside linebacker due to injury. So I, it's not impossible. He goes through to the practice squad. If his, if he has just a ho-hum preseason and there's nothing to back up what happened last year, then I think he's the entire NFL is not going to have a microscope on what happens to Josh Ross. And he probably will be there inside linebacker is a position that um, is very large for size and shape, meaning there are a lot of guys who are approximately the right size to play inside linebacker in the NFL. Left tackle, there aren't a lot of guys. You know, yeah. Defensive line, many fewer people who really have the athleticism and the size to to, to play that position. Cornerback, uh, you know, you, you're looking for a tall, rangy cornerback. Good luck after the season starts, and and yeah. you're really gonna 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 compromise in several characteristics if you're finding somebody in December. But but anyway, yeah. uh, I I think if if he's on the on the practice squad to start the season, um, and then he shows up due to an injury, um, then the ideal thing was maybe he, he would still be in the Ravens' 2024 plans, gets a little bit of playing time this year, but is probably not activated every week, even in a good season. Yeah, unless he has a a wonderkind surgeon surging production and, and play, we won't be seeing Josh Ross make a bunch of football plays on the field. That's that's that would require them trading Queen, hanging on to him, and him clearly defeating Trenton Simpson and Malik Harrison, or, or other bad things happening. Or or the nightmare situation yes. instead. Yes. <laughs> I was going fun. You were going yeah, real. Yeah. Thank and, you. <laughs> and that's yeah, that's you know, depth is depth. Hey, how about a great season? What looks what does a great season look like to you? A great season, I see him as winning the fourth linebacker spot, even over Harrison, and he becomes the special teams kind of guy that the Ravens adore to have on their roster. And for him to see some activations throughout the season, I think that would be a, a great year by by his standards. A- activations, or, yeah, just or, be, or play it inside linebacker. Uh, like it just being active, I think, and like getting some run, okay, uh, but nothing significant. Now, okay, so I'd say a great season. I had almost the exact same thing, but I've got a slight twist on this. I say mm-hmm. his play and tenure forced the Ravens to trade or cut Malik Harrison. Play, uh, Prior to cut down. By the way, that could also be Queen. That, yep. that it could it could help encourage. I don't think I don't think the tail will wag the dog such that the play of Josh Ross will help the Ravens be emboldened to trade Patrick Queen. I think that it'll be Simpson who, who yeah. will be the guy who forces out Patrick Queen, if anybody. Yeah. Um, but if he if he were to become the fourth linebacker, I think he's activated every week. I think he's Willie Harrison all of a sudden. He plays sure. well on special teams, is in a great season, and shows some limited f- flash in mop-up duty. And I'm thinking maybe 50 snaps he gets on the year. So maybe we see Simpson and yeah. him out there with a three-touchdown lead in the fourth quarter at some point during the season. They, they save Roquan, they save Queen. And we see him and uh, and Simpson really get some playing time together. I think that'd be kind of cool. That or you know you gave the fun answer. I'll give the I'll give the sad one, which is or there's a three touchdown deficit and yes. there's nothing left, yeah. and uh, and so they have Simpson and Ross out there instead of keeping their hundred million dollar man on the football field. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 very possible as well, and uh, and uh, that's it. But it's not not impossible. I can I can see the meandering path for Josh Ross making this team. Unfortunately, it it, it probably means bad things for the Baltimore Ravens uh, if he does. 
yeah, it's not going to be by some great positivity that he and everybody else is healthy and able and capable. And he just is, uh, you know, has flashes of pro bowl potential. It's more so the nightmare situation, but uh, that's not as much fun to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Kyle really appreciate you coming on, talking with us and doing a second one of these. Always a pleasure to talk football with you. Hope we get a chance to talk some during camp. Uh, tell folks where they can read your work online. Yeah, you can check out my work and the work of my wonderful staffs over at BaltimoreBeatdown.com. You can check me out on Twitter at Kyle P. Barber if Twitter is still alive by the time you hear this. And, of course, also uh, BaltimoreRavens.com under their Late for Work section. I publish the Monday edition of Late for Work. All right. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, you still have time. This is a dead period for the NFL. It's true. I'm stacking up a bunch of these episodes that we talk about two players but there's still a few extra days in there for uh other topics that you would like to talk about you want to do that one play episode sure i'll do one with you if you, if you have another metric you'd like to discuss i'h um, having uh brad spielberger on to talk about these the three-year cap health which ought to be an interesting one doesn't have to be anything that deep but if you have a philosophical gm thing you'd like to talk about Love to hear your thoughts on it. Anyway, send me a DM. They're always open on Twitter. I'll get back to you very quickly. Kyle, thanks again for coming on. I had a blast, Ken. I love doing this. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Okay. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.